Hello everybody, it's Adam Bat here. Welcome to another episode of Batman at Season 3, Episode 2. It's a WA Domestic Sports Weekly Wrap. Now if you haven't already, don't forget to like, subscribe, leave a rating and leave a review on your favourite podcasting platform, be it Apple Podcasts or Spotify. You can like us on Facebook and you can follow us on Instagram. So we're going to dive straight in. Uh, once again, a really, really busy weekend with lots of teams uh, obviously hitting the pitch, the field or the court or the park and everything in between if you don't mind as well. Uh, we're going to start off on the pitch uh, with a small ball, a uh, little bit of cricket and this season is very much in full swing, should we say, and probably call it as well. We're heading to the cricket and we're talking a little bit of Scorchers women from the WBBL. Handed shot, squirts out to the offside. It is celebration time for the Perth Scorchers because the captain, the first overseas captain to lead their team to a win and is the first Okay, the it's WBBL indeed Scorchers time. The uh, they've actually got back-to-back wins uh, with another emphatic victory, this time against the Hurricanes. So this is going back quite a few days because there is a lot to unpack because, my goodness me, the ladies were busy. What a hectic schedule that they have had uh, but let's quickly go to that hurricanes game i think it was about a week ago uh, so they restricted the canes to nine for 109 and they chased it down with eight wickets and just under six overs to spare alana king shared three for 15 uh, four overs and she and that, she actually backed that up from her two for 17 in their first win up against the thunder whilst tenille pascal she had three for 13 with an economy rate of 3.25 which was just terrific even after losing Sophie Devine four runs, Beth Mooney picked up the slack to anchor the innings. Uh, she got 38 of 36. And then, uh, of course, uh, they also got uh, valuable contributions from many other players across the board. Um, so, and in fact, at the point, um, they sort of fell down at 2 for 59 at, at, at the 9 over mark. But they were managed, managed to sort of pull themselves together and uh, get that uh, get that 110 that they were searching for. Uh, next, they played the Stars at home for the first time this season, and in what looked like a restricting score of nine for 110. Uh, at one stage, uh, they actually had them at seven for 55, but uh, from 20 overs, they survived and snuck snuck away with a win in a thriller despite a huge scare uh, when they were actually eight for a hundred and they eventually got to eight for 111 with two balls to go uh, just before we dissect that quickly it was marizan caps 100th wbbl match uh, the south african making her the first overseas player to reach that milestone uh pippa cleary she got two for eight lily mills two for 15 and of course uh, Sarah Pascal, I'm pretty sure that's her first name. Stand to be corrected there, of course. Uh, they were the multiple wicket takers during the bowling innings. And a low-scoring affair, Beth, Mooney, Beth Mooney's 35 was pivotal when wickets were falling all around her, with the team at one stage actually being 7 for 74 in the 16th over. And uh, they needed 37 from 27. Enter Amy Edgar, who got 21 from 21. And Pippa Cleary, who got 13 not out from 11, they steered the team home with them both contributing strongly in the 26-run power surge after the game had swung hugely in the Stars' favour at that stage. And as I was saying, sort of the momentum was certainly halted very quickly as they got, as they got, unfortunately, soundly beaten in their next game by a resurgent Sydney Thunder team. 
on what's probably the biggest upset of the tournament so far. Um, they posted four for 166, which is a huge score for the women's game. Uh, I'm not trying to say that, of course, in a in a disparaging way, but uh, the, the scores haven't been supremely high, so 166 was a really, really competitive total. Uh, and uh, unfortunately, they just couldn't get close to them. Uh, they got to nine for 141 uh, in their 20 overs. And they just couldn't put a stop to English import Tammy Beaumont. Uh, she batted through the innings for 71 or 59. So you have to give credit where it's due. Uh, one positive was that it was Holly Furling's debut and she got a wicket for the occasion. But that was one of the few highlights from a bowling group perspective. Uh, with normally impossible impossible to play spinner Alana King, uh, she was taken for 22 runs from her two overs. Um, they were meant to have a chance to rebound immediately um, after they were scheduled to play Hobart the next day. But unfortunately, that didn't happen uh, because that day was actually Sunday. And as we all know, uh, the Sunday actually got rained out. So uh, yeah, no, the, there was no bounce back game for them, which of course was uh, you know pretty disappointing that they weren't able to get that all sorted and try to bounce back in a in a supreme fashion because as as we know uh, they destroyed the Sydney Sydney Thunder the first time that they played them so it was really really surprising that they lost the way that they did so after five matches um, they are sitting top of the table although there are a number of teams in fact there are one two three four five six six of the teams uh, actually have only played four games so they do have one game in hand uh, they've got seven points uh, the net run rate is 0.66 so they're still sitting in a very very commanding position uh, going three and one uh, you know quite nicely if you don't mind but uh yeah they've, they've still of course um, they've got a lot that uh they still need to work on so a terrific start for them and let's just find out where their next match is going to be and that's actually going to be on the 28th of october uh which is going to be on the friday i'm pretty sure and they'll be playing the adelaide strikers at allen Borderfield in brisbane so that's going to be their next game they've started off supremely well uh, just you know, carrying on from their first game against the Sydney Thunder. Uh, the Thunder did get them back though uh, in that last one, but lots and lots of positive signs for the Scorchers, and we look forward to seeing how they go on the Friday. Uh, now we're going to stay with cricket, and we're going to wrap up a little bit of Warriors action. And WA after a long wait, 23 years of wait. They've won the Sheffield Shield, and that's what it means. With Sean Marsh, the veteran, in the middle of all of that, they've produced Australian player after Australian player. Now, we do have to take a couple of steps back, like many, many. Uh, going back to the Marsh-Sheffield Shield match up against Victoria, that ended up in a draw. Uh, there were massive first innings from both teams. Uh, the Warriors, they got 466. Uh, but, of course, uh, Victoria, they had four declared for 616. An absolute rout on a rubbish deck. And it was a shaky last day, as I said, on a lifeless and flat pitch at Junction Oval. Uh, the Warriors actually looked in a lot of strife. Just a couple of quick notable performances just across the whole day uh, from the Warriors. Sammy Whiteman, he got 82, uh, which actually helped him to amass 4,000 runs in shield cricket for WA. So well played to you, Sam Whiteman. And Cam Bancroft in the first innings, he actually got 100 as well. And between the two of them, that helped them uh, to put together a remarkable 146-run partnership. And Hilton Cartwright, he had 70. Uh, so just where they stand, they sit second on the ladder behind Queensland on points. Now, 
they do have still a perfect record in the Marsh Cup. And that sort of continued because it was despite a tense and tight affair, excuse me, with the team just overtaking the 244 set by, set by the Victorians with four balls to spare in a match that was shortened to 36 overs due to rain earlier on in the day. So as a result, uh, they've actually leapfrogged Tasmania to top spot on the one-day standings. So Josh Philippi, he set the victory platform early in the innings with a whirlwind 81 off 50 that featured five towering sixes. And by the time he got out, the team had advanced to 114 from 12.3 overs. The finisher, though, was Cam Bancroft, who steered them home, hitting the winning runs on his way to an unbeaten 78. Uh, they next played Queensland at the Wacker in a top-of-the-table clash and a Sheffield Shield game from the 31st of October to the 4th of November. So, yep, they're doing well, uh, both both Sheffield Shield and, and uh, Marsh One Day Cup. So they're in a good spot at the moment, uh, the uh, Western Warriors. And they'll, of course, play a um, couple more games before before we get to the point where uh, you know the Big Bash League will be will be beginning. But, of course, that's still probably uh, at least in a couple of months' time anyway. Well, slightly less, probably about six weeks, you'd call it. So they're going to have quite, quite a bit of uh, cricket to play until they get to that point. But from a Warriors perspective, we'll leave it there. And we're now going to head to a different kind of, well, our, our, we're probably going to call it the field. We're going to call it the hockey field. And let's talk a little bit of Thundersticks. White's there in the thick of it, as is Frusha. Now the drag flick, in for the goal. Perth with a first. Harry Somerville with a trademark, brings it in. Perth the other way, crossing in. Good ball. Wickham's there. This was just a terrific test for the team. Uh, they played key contenders in the New South Wales Pride. And there were plenty of lessons learned in those matches as they took a bit of a hit, unfortunately. Uh, the women, they lost 2-0, conceding both goals in the first half. Uh, goalkeeper Alicia Power was actually immense, though, despite conceding the two goals, stopping many more chances and attempts from the pride for the duration of the game. And it was a valiant effort from an emerging team who were right in it until the very end, but ultimately fell short. Uh, the men, they lost 3-4, despite the late charge that almost tied up the game and pushed it to a shootout. And and unfortunately, um, you know, that heading into the main break, they were down 2-4, uh, with four goals actually being scored in the first 10 minutes of the game in what was a pulsating way to begin the affair. Uh, they actually conceded the first two goals before Chris Bowser and Jake Harvey brought the sides to level pegging, with the Pride then putting their foot down, nailing, nailing the next two goals. And in the 48th minute, there was life back in the match when Aaron Zalewski scored. And in one final twist and end to the game, the Thundersticks received a penalty corner after the final buzzer that actually resulted in four separate penalty corner attempts with the team just unable to score the leveller in the dying minutes that they needed. Uh, the men, they sit equal second with Brisbane and New South Wales, uh, despite the Pride having played one less game. And I've actually been been informed, and I don't like to name drop, mainly because it doesn't happen very often, but I did get the opportunity uh, on the weekend to chat to the men's Kookaburras coach uh, in Colin Batch. And he says that uh, New South Wales Pride, um, that, that they, are, they are probably going to be the team to beat, as they do have many returning players coming in over the next few weeks as well. So that's only going to bolster their chance chances whilst for the women uh, they sit mid-table in fourth spot technically equals second on 10 points uh, but having played one more game than New South Wales and Canberra uh, the team um, all they can do is just look forward and move ahead 
They next play the Tassie Tigers at home. So yeah, we'll see if both of those teams can bounce back. But yeah, it was nice to have a little bit of a chat with the Kookaburras coach on the weekend, Colin Batch. So uh, thanks very much for the chat, Colin. And uh, you've now made it onto Bat Banter. So you can only go up, uh, up from here, Colin. Of course, I say that in jest. You can't get much higher than uh, the Kookaburra men's coach. So we'll leave it there for the Thundersticks. And uh, let's now move on to the court. And of course, we're talking. We're going to be talking about a little bit of Perth Wildcats. Listen to the hiss. Listen to the growl. Perth Wildcats are on the prowl. Can you feel the heat? Listen to their feet tearing up the cot and building up the heat. Here we come. Oh no! Here we come. Oh no! Here we come. Right, it was a dirty, dirty night for the Wildcats. Uh, they lost to Tasmania in a demoralising and thumping defeat going back to Saturday. Uh, it was a really even beginning with the first term only separated by one point to the visitors, uh, which of course was the Perth Wildcats. But before then, the Jack Jumpers, well, they went whack. Uh, 57 to 29 across the next two quarters, just ridiculous, and you can't come back from that. Shooting at 44% is not bad, but when it's up against 58%, you don't have a hope in hell of winning the game. And add to that, 49% for the JJs from the three-point uh, up against Perth's 28%. You are in a lot of strife. Again, they were out-rebounded by nine. Uh, Perth had six more turnovers, with the key stat for mine being the bench contributions of 28 for the Cats up against 44 from Tasmania. They seem to bat really, really deep, Tassie, and doesn't matter who's on the court. And that's where the Perth Wildcats have been for a very, very long time. So there's no doubt that Scott Roth, after spending um, a couple of seasons at the Perth Wildcats, has taken that kind of mentality uh, and, you know, I guess developed a roster that is, it doesn't matter who's on the court, um, you're going to get valuable contributions everywhere. Now, to the surprise of none, and although he was blanketed quite heavily, uh, BC Bryce Cotton, he was their highest scorer with 14 points, 6 rebounds and 4 assists. He did, however, have 5 turnovers, so he uh, can't be perfect, the great man. Uh, Luke Travers, he was the next highest with 12 points and 8 rebounds. And for the amount of minutes that he played, had the least plus or minus with minus 15, uh, while Toddy Blanchfield, he was the highest with minus 27. So what that means is, just for those of you who are unsure, a plus minus means that when you're on the court, um, how many points your team scores versus how many points the other team scores, obviously how that's weighed up. Um, when you're on the court, you get uh, you get a rating on that. So Luke Travers was the most efficient, whilst Todd Blanchfield was the least. Uh, they will be looking to bounce back on Friday when they host Southeast Melbourne. But as a result uh, of going three and two, they've dropped uh, to, unfortunately, a little bit lower in the ladder than they would have wanted to uh, at this time. And in fact, let's just quickly get up the NBL ladder so we can see where they're sitting after I'm pretty sure what is round three. Um, and so they're sitting fifth, okay? So, and they've actually played five games uh, compared to Adelaide's three. Um, it's saying that though they, they played two less games than top of the table Sydney, so uh, they're they're in a you know an interesting and you know, 
surprising position, I guess. But of course, the season is so early and there is a lot of basketball still to play. So you can't really write off any teams at all at this time, as we always say in the AFL. So uh, there, there is a lot more to play out uh, until we get a greater picture of where they're going. Um, they start off like a house on fire. Now they've got to see if they can bounce back. So yeah, a, an absolute, you know, a whacking a smashing, and a thumping. Um, they've got to find a way to get themselves in order, get some rebounds, and uh, and also keep control of the ball and do not throw it away. Because turnovers are absolutely going to kill you every day of the week, and they're a coach's nightmare. Some would say they're the coach killer. So we'll leave it there for the Cats. Uh, let's now make our way to the pitch, uh, the round ball, and let's talk a little bit of Glory. Well, what an away win. 2-1 up against the Central Coast Mariners on Sunday. Now, goals from midfield duo Giordano Coley and Aaron McInef led them to a deserved first win of the season. Now, after conceding a goal in the first 20 minutes before goalies equaliser prior to halftime, and then early in the second half, they withstood a resurgent Mariners after the break putting a stop to their momentum and taking the wind out of their sails as Aaron McInef calmly claimed his second of the season from three games, if you don't mind, to seal the win. Uh, they dug deep in the end as well, holding off some late chances to get their campaign up and running. And coincidentally enough, Gosford, uh, which is a home for the Central Coast Mariners, it's a happy hunting ground for the glory, with the team having a winning run of now six games at the away venue. So let us play all of our games at Gosford, and we will be happy. Uh, and they're building nicely. So coming off two tight losses with last week's extremely unlucky, and probably deserving of at least one point, if not three, they now have their season back on track. Uh, the road challenges continue as they next face Adelaide United away on Sunday at 12 p.m. But as a result of the win, they've moved up inside the top six. So glory, well done. And uh, I think the re one of the reasons why they've been able to move up so quickly, um, so high, is because they've tried to not concede and leak many, many goals, which has and was you know, the case for pretty much the majority of the last two seasons. Uh, their defense was terrible, but uh, they only conceded one uh, in their first game, a 1-0 loss, and uh, they only conceded two, but then managed to score one uh, last week. And again, that was scored in the 95th minute, and you know they thoroughly deserved a draw, um, as I said earlier, and possibly even a win. So yeah, you know what? That's okay. They got their win. They got the monkey off the back. Good news for the team, but good news for Ruben Zakovic as well. He will sleep a lot better uh, knowing that he's got that win, and they can, of course, you know, move ahead with their next away game, and they're getting very, very close to coming back home, uh, playing games at, excuse me, at Macedonia Park in due course. But well done, Glory. Uh, get around them. Watch them, support them, send them positive messages, and when they do get back to Perth, pack out Macedonia Park. All right, we're going to leave it there for the round ball game. Let's talk about the oval ball game and, of course, a bit of AFLW as their season comes to a close. And, unfortunately, there's not going to be much finals on the horizon for either team. But let's uh, start off with Fremantle. Look, take it to the ground. 
What a tackle from Tuha Garena on her debut. Will she create a goal? Antonio's got some wheels. She'll take them on. Banana along the ground. Oh. The beater it does. What a remarkable goal to get us started. How do you like it? Ebony Antonio. Alright, let's talk a little bit of AFLW and let's start off with the Dockers. Now the team, they secured a hard-fought victory against the Swans. And it was on the on the back of a returning Ebony Antonio back in the team for the first time this season. Which actually ended up, coincidentally enough, being her 50th game of AFLW. Uh, and she made her way back from a PCL injury and ended up, upon her return, finishing with 14 disposals and the opening goal. That really set the tone for the rest of the team. It was a heated contest despite the two teams at the beginning of the round actually taking up the final two spots of the ladder. And despite having six more inside 50s, the key stat was a high 47% inside 50 efficiency up against Sydney's 29%. And as per normal, they had a mammoth uh, differential in tackles. They had 22 more tackles. As we know, they've been ravaged by injury to the extent where they've had seven season-ending season injuries and many of those to key players as well. Captain Hayley Miller, she led the way for the team. Uh, she gathered 27 disposals and one goal, including a record equaling 14 disposals in the opening term. Bianca Webb, she kicked two goals, whilst Ellie Runnels had 25 disposals, and the second highest, and she was the second highest possession getter for Fremantle. But wow, you just have to mention the stat line of Kiara Bowers yet again. Just ridiculous, insane. There's no doubt she's going to be All-Australian, but how close is she going to be uh, to the AFL uh, players, AFL Women's Players Association MVP or just the best and fairest in general? She had 19 disposals. Yeah, not too bad. 20 tackles and 8 clearances. Insane. You're too much, Kiara Bowers. You are too much. Uh, the Swans, they matched Frio through the first half, but they were just unable to take advantage of the breeze during the third term. So it was actually quite tight for a lot of the game. Uh, next up, Fremantle host Hawthorne at, on Saturday night in their last match for the season. So well done to you, Dockers. Uh, got a well-deserved win. You've sort of been building as uh, as much as you can, even though the score lines may not have reflected it. And, you know, you've done as well as you can as well with the amount of personnel that you've just lost throughout the whole year. Good to see Ebony Antonio back. And good to see Kiara Bowers just in absolutely sensational and ripping form. And let's hope they can finish off with another win to close off their season uh, as they look to next year. But uh, let's now move on to the second team in town. And let's talk a little bit of West Coast Eagles. So one thing you've got to do, you be on the move as a forward. Hooker throws it on the boot. Over the head of Van Dyke, she's under the pump now. Schmidt with a snap. Schmidt's all class, and there is Unfortunately, no the Coasters couldn't make it a double WA win. Uh, they lost to the Bulldogs in a challenging game for them. Uh, one positive, though, was midfielder Ashley Gomes. She made her debut in the game, and she kicked a goal to boot, if you don't mind. That was, however, where it really finished in regards to the positives. Uh, they lost 3-5-23. 8755. They were only able to score three points up until the main break whilst conceding three goals. In the second half, they certainly fought a bit. Uh, they kicked three goals too to 5 5, but it was just the difference in class between the two teams that really came to the fore. West Coast had minus 15 inside 50s, although a superior inside 50 efficiency, which was at 49%, uh, which actually kept them in the game for longer, with the Bulldogs being quite wasteful in front of goal. West Coast just couldn't get their hands on the ball, and they didn't have the desire to try and hunt for it, which led to 42 less uncontested possessions, 
not being able to get your hands on it, and 24 less tackles. And in the first quarter, it was actually 9 to 24, the tackle count, which set the tone early for the Dogs, and uh, West Coast, they were put under pressure, and they could barely um, get their hands on the ball, as I was saying earlier. They lost many key statistical categories across the day and just weren't really in the game legitimately for long enough periods. Uh, to, the, to the surprise of no one, Emma Swanson was the main accumulator with 28 disposals, 5 tackles and 7 clearances. Bella Smith had 23 disposals and 8 marks and Isabella Lewis had 22 disposals. Eight marks and one goal. They were the other uh, key contributors. Their final game is not going to be easy as they take on the second-placed Melbourne Demons at Casey Fields to finish off their season. Um, there certainly have been positives during their season, um, but you know they got absolutely whacked by the Dogs last season. Uh, you know, right at the very end of the uh, end of the campaign as well. Uh, but, you know, yes, they lost by five goals. They certainly showed a bit more fight. Um, it was, what, eight scoring shots to 15. Um, so that, that's, uh, that's a pretty comprehensive loss. And, you know, it just doesn't bode well playing second place Melbourne, Melbourne away. So it's really going to be intriguing to see how they finish off the season. If they've improved, um, I would probably take a three or four goal loss. If they haven't, it's probably going to be a seven or eight goal defeat. So we'll see what they can do. If they can bounce back, we certainly have to keep our hopes low and realistic. We can't expect them to win. It's probably not going to happen. But if they can put up you know, a fair effort, and even two to three goals would probably be a win from their perspective. So we'll see what they put up. We'll touch base with them next week, and then we'll have a bit of a, bit of a review and just a chat as to how, how they progressed and uh, what positives they've got from the season. But for now, we're going to leave it for the Coasters. Okay, so that's it. We're done and we're dusted. That's the end of the WA Domestic Sports Weekly Wrap Season 3, Episode 2. If you haven't already, don't forget to like, subscribe, leave a rating and leave a review on your favorite podcasting platform, be it, excuse me, be it Apple Podcasts or Spotify. You can like us on Facebook and you can follow us on Instagram. And whether you're listening in the morning, the afternoon or the evening, it's been an absolute privilege and we look forward to touching base with you and all of our WA teams next week on the domestic sporting scene. But from yours truly, Adam Bat and the whole team of Bat Banter, we're out for now.